This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcam here with Blake Alderman. Blake, we've got a big week coming up. A lot of news going around right now around the college sports world. I guess let's go ahead and just dive right into it. Florida is set to get started in the SEC tournament on Thursday for now. Uh, you know, as best we know, there have been no changes to that tournament as of yet. Uh, but there are obviously a lot of changes going on around the country right now with the athletic program shutting down uh, due to coronavirus, uh, kind of, you know, keeping fans out. I shouldn't say shutting down, but keeping fans out. Some conference tournaments have been canceled. Blake, as best we know, Florida's uh, and the SEC tournament has not been canceled yet. But what's your take on, on just kind of all the news from the last couple of days? And I know you and I have both been traveling. You went through, uh, you know, airports in the last couple of days. What's your, I mean, where are you at with all this coronavirus stuff? You know, I, you know I'm not really sure. Uh, you know, I think at this point you – you see what's going on, and I understand. You know, it's just the fact of you know, you may not get it yourself, you know, but it's more or less it's contagious, and it's it's who you can take it to. So I think they're just going above and beyond um, to take these precautions. You know, I'm not really sure if they're warranted or not, just because you know they've even gone as so far now as to you know they're shutting down like schools, like UF is shut down doing you know just the only online schools. I'm not sure if athletes how that works with like workouts and things going on of that nature. I think that's interesting. Like you know if. It's, those guys are still around there. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. You know, shutting down the uh, March Madness tournament, you know, with only family and coaches there, you know, I don't know. It's just it seems kind of silly to have – I mean, I, I don't know we can go as far as to say shutting down, like, these tournaments. But, man, like, if there's no people there, like, it just – it makes it the game just seem kind of silly. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, something I think American sports fans obviously aren't super familiar with. It's not something that's uh, – incredibly atypical i would say you know abroad i know you know in in europe for example a lot of the soccer uh soccer programs have gone through periods where they haven't been allowed to host fans for games for whatever reason most of the time it's uh you know due to racist incidents against visiting players um so it's not it's not something that's never happened before but to see it on this scale and this magnitude is certainly surprising and i think the pace at which we've gotten here is probably the most surprising thing to me i mean this yeah, I mean, we're really we're talking about we were up in Nashville at a uh, you know a twenty four seven sports publisher conference and you know everything seemed pretty normal. I mean you know I, I wasn't in the airport with you. I actually drove up, but um, you know it, it, things didn't seem all that crazy. And then you know we get out of some meetings last night around six o'clock, and all of a sudden you start to see all these conference tournaments uh, you know either being canceled or being shut out to fans. And now um, you know the NCAA has made the decision to have no fans at these. NCAA tournament games and and obviously you know one of the reasons they're not just canceling it out outright is that it's a a huge financial thing you know from a sure. TV standpoint um, but it's definitely it's definitely a unique situation something that I you know I can't say that I've ever um, encountered in in my you know twelve years or whatever covering you know college athletics but um, Blake I guess 
I guess having said that, you know, the, the, the first time I realized it was really probably pretty serious was um, actually at the Kentucky game last week on Saturday. And I don't know if I told you this while we were up in Nashville, but I, um, you know, towards the end of the game, Jeremy Foley was there and, and he was kind of standing, uh, you know, in the in the row, I guess, where I was about to walk out and go down to, you know, Mike White's postgame press conference. And uh, as I was walking by, I kind of like, you know, stuck my hand out, you know, for handshakes said, hey, Jeremy. And I wasn't sure, like, he didn't kind of react at all. And so I wasn't sure if he just, you know, didn't see me. I was in that awkward, like, <laughs> uh, do I, like, pull back my hands or just leave it out there? So, you know, me being me, I, I, I kind of left it out there awkwardly. And uh, eventually he kind of moved for, like, a fist bump. Uh, but then he was like, oh, you know, coronavirus. And I was like, oh. And he was, like, really serious about it. And I was like, okay, well, he, you know, he's a guy that's probably obviously thought about it a good bit. Um, you know, when you're in that situation as an athletics director and you're responsible for um, you know, athletes, you know, obviously he's not anymore, uh, but that's still something I'm sure that he has thought about and it's probably been discussed. I'm sure, um, I'm sure there are any number of athletics administration officials that have reached out to Jeremy and, and kind of contacted him to get his thoughts. Um, and so I think that to me really kind of started to sink in the gravity of the whole situation. And, you know, certainly it's played out that way. Um, but in lieu of that, yeah, go ahead, Blake. Sorry, I actually saw on Twitter earlier that, um, they had to where the University of Michigan won't be having, uh, you know, any recruiting weekends or anything, you know, no hosting of official visits until late April, which is pretty crazy because obviously you can turn over and you can start having official visits uh, for 2021 prospects starting in April 1st. So they're, you know, could be missing out on, you know, these junior days, these spring practices and yeah, whatnot, absolutely. spring game. I mean, it's, it, it definitely seems like there's something serious in the fact whenever it starts to affect, you know, even like recruiting events, you know, yeah, games, man, I understand stuff, right? Right. And, you know, games, I understand there's thousands of people there. So I can understand that just with the venues there. But I mean, it's, it, these precautions are definitely, you know, they're, they're de definitely getting really precise with how they're trying to, you know, really kind of contain and, and do what they can to control these things. And I think they need to. And I think, again, you get back into the liability standpoint, you know, that's what these athletics, you know, directors are looking at. That's what the, you know, the um, conference chairman are looking at. That's what, you know, Mark Emmert and the NCAA are looking at. Uh, but Blake, for now, you know, they're set to get started in Nashville in a little bit here. Uh, you know, really just a couple minutes away from this Georgia Ole Miss game as we're shooting this podcast. And, you know, obviously Florida will play the winner, assuming that tournament continues to go on. Um, so, I guess I wanted to shift a little bit kind of into postseason mode. Um, Blake, what, what was your take on how Florida finished the year? I know we had talked probably about two weeks ago now, you know, as Florida was coming into this final five game stretch. And I know you put to you put to me kind of the question of, you know, how I thought Florida needed to finish um, where in terms of how you're looking at it. How did you feel like this season kind of wrapped up? You know, I, I just wasn't very optimistic even when I was asking last time, and I think they kind of finished about what I expected. You know, I never expected them to win against Tennessee. I know we kind of thought that Florida needed to take at least one out of Kentucky. They didn't do that, but I don't know that – in the grand scheme of things, I don't think I'm surprised by the fact that they didn't do that. You know, I expected LSU. I expected Georgia. Um with this Florida team, I mean, you really never know how things are going to go because you've seen these teams, you know, get up on big leads and kind of dwindle things away. But, I mean, when I was looking at those last couple games, I thought Georgia and LSU were the ones that I, I expected. Uh, and, you know, I think the saddest thing when you kind of look at how things ended, you know, Florida was in an absolutely, you know, they had an absolutely good shot of finishing that game against Kentucky where they had the big lead, um, mm -hmm. you know, and they just... It, it's deflating whenever you can, you know, get these leads and you see them dwindle away and, you know, in, in the final seconds, you see things just not go well. Yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of been the story of the year for Florida. And, you know, I, I'm not sure I've ever seen a team 
that has been this up and down. And I think part of that is the talent level. I think part of it is the youth. Um, you know, they've got such a high ceiling when they start to scratch that, you know, that, that potential, you can see it. I mean, you know, this is a team that was up 18 on Kentucky and granted Kentucky had some issues in that game. You know, they were playing without Ashton Hagens and, uh, you know, Emmanuel quickly, very, uh, very quickly got into foul trouble. So there, you know, it wasn't Kentucky's best effort necessarily, but even so, uh, to be up 18 on a team like that and then in, in the span of 12 minutes blow that entire lead. Um, that's pretty Especially stunning. for the final game, too. Especially for yeah, the final I mean, game, just because that sets the tone to carry. And it does, and it does. And I think, to me, that's, you know, we going back even you know even further than, you know, the last time we talked about it on the podcast, my whole thing with this team and, and really with Mike White teams, I would say for the better part of the last really three seasons, definitely the last two seasons, but really for the last three seasons, Ever since, you know, they lost Chris or ever since, you know, that elite eight run with Chris Chioza, I, I just feel like this, the hallmark of this team is inconsistency. Like that's what Florida's program is under, under Mike White right now. And until they figure that out, until they fix that, there's going to be a large segment of the fan base. And maybe, maybe it's not huge. Maybe it is just the vocal minority, but there's going to be a big chunk of this fan base that does not buy in and, and is really upset with the way that you know, the, this extra talent that Mike White's recruited is being taken advantage of. So that's what I look at. I mean, it's, it's just been so consistent this year. It's like every time they get on a three or four winning, three or four game winning streak, there's another bad loss, you know, and, and it doesn't really matter who it's against. It could be against Kentucky. It could be against Ole Miss, uh, you know, Mississippi State, whatever it is, they could be up big. They could just be down big. Um, there's no rhyme or reason to when this team shows up. Um, and, and, at some point, Blake, to me, that that kind of falls back on coaching, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, I I feel like at least for the last couple of years, and maybe even to some extent, the entire time Mike White's been in Gainesville, I feel like I've always tried to figure out, you know, what's this team, what's what's their style, how do they do things, mm-hmm. what's their you know what's their mantra, and I feel like at this point, just kind of looking back, I, I think the this team's mantra and maybe Mike White, how things are just going to go, I think it is just going to be inconsistency. You know, maybe that's just what it is. Maybe, you know, maybe you're never going to figure things out. And I don't know. I, I do go back and it, it is on coaching. Yeah, there's a lot of youth here, but I feel like at least how Mike White is recruited and how he's gotten a lot of these five star players and these, you know, top tier type of guys, those guys aren't coming in here to sit on the bench or not get this playing time. So I, I feel to some extent, you know, even in general, the basketball world, you know, you see these freshmen that pick things up and they kind of learn things on the fly. And I just don't know that you're really seeing this big jump and you know you kind of look at some of these other schools and how they have freshmen playing and you know Florida's got a mix of a, a really good sophomore class that has, has kind of been whenever they are playing well it's because that sophomore class is playing well so right. I just don't I, I don't know you know there's so many things to understand the fact that there are so many freshmen there and they are figuring things out but I think it, it does go on coaching because you have a guy like Kerry Blackshear who just hasn't lived up to what you thought he was going to be you look at how he was at Virginia Tech, and you kind of look at things. They don't translate to Florida. I mean, Kerry Blackshear just didn't learn, stop learning how to play basketball. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, I, I want to say I've made this point before, but I think the, the biggest issue is this team doesn't have an identity. And, and when I say – I don't mean just this team. I mean this program. Um, because when Mike White came in, the whole idea was, okay, Florida's going to be this team that runs up and down the floor. They're going to press a bunch. It's going to be really high tempo. And – we kind of saw glimpses of that when Chris Chioza was here, um, but then you know Florida didn't have a post game then. Now all of a sudden they've got some somewhat semblance of some semblance of a post game, and they don't run the floor, and they've got a point guard that's very slow. 
uh, doesn't really like to run the floor that way. To me, the the thing is, Mike White has never had an identity to the point where he's recruiting to a certain fit or a certain style, you know, within his his brand, his scheme. And the issue for me there is when you don't do that and you're constantly trying to adjust to the pieces you have, it's different from year to year. And that's tough for players that are college players. These aren't, these aren't NBA guys, you know, that they're still coming from that high school level. Um, I think one thing that's really great is when you do have a system that works like that and you recruit to that system, eventually the older guys get so familiar with it um, that they're able to help teach those younger guys and move those younger guys along. Um, so to me, that's the biggest issue. I think there's, there's just such a lack of identity that there's no sense of flow or consistency, even within seasons, you know, where you have your veteran guys training your younger guys. And I think as a result, you see this Florida team and this Florida program that's been very up and down under Mike White. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I just, I'm at the point now where you obviously aren't letting Mike White go, but the conversations are there, you know, at least amongst the fan base. I'm interested to see, maybe not this season, I'm interested to see how things go next season because those talks are going to continue over there, you know, Mm -hmm. and it gets to a certain point where it's not the same in football to where, you know, no buyout. In general, if you want to get a guy out of there in football, no buyout is too big. You figure out a way, but it's different in basketball. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see how the mix of starting to get a little riled up. Obviously, we still have to see as postseason goes, you know, Florida could you know, somehow, some way, make some kind of run or figure things out late in the season. Um, but I, I'm interested to see how next season goes because I think those talks are going to continue to grow, especially if next season doesn't go well either. Yeah, and I think more than anything, um, you know, I saw a college basketball insider, uh, you know, kind of big-time reporter Jeff Goodman make a, a, a comment on Twitter the other day that for him, Florida is probably the most disappointing team this season, even, even, you know, more so than North Carolina. But he said, he thinks, you know, he said, basically fans will forget that if they had, if they have a good run in the tournament. And for me, I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I I just don't know if I agree with that. I mean, if we're talking, you know, final four run, sure. But what's a good run in the tournament? I mean, you know, if Florida squeezes by and wins two games, maybe three games, say they even get to the elite eight and then they have an ugly loss in the elite eight. That's another one of those, like just completely inconsistent moments. Um, Are fans really going to be happy with that? I don't know. Like my my gut is more so that that would be kind of seen as an aberration at this point. That that we've seen enough of a body of work that inconsistency seems more like the you know the calling card of this program. And I think it's going to take more than just a little bit of a tournament run to erase that. I think no matter what, Mike White has got to prove at, at some point that he can have a more consistent system, that he can have a more consistent identity. Um, and until you see that, I think we're going to continue to be having these kinds of conversations. But uh, Blake, we're we're obviously we're going to find out a lot more. You know, they're going to play in the SEC tournament here. Uh, we'll have the NCAA tournament coming up. Uh, you know, and certainly things could change. You know, I'm I'm open to changing my opinion on that. Um, but I just don't believe in this team right now enough to think that they're going to be consistent enough to really put together essentially what would take you know three wins in the NCAA tournament to to even really start to get to that conversation where we say. Oh, you know, maybe this was a pretty successful season for me, unless you're getting to the elite eight this year, it's just going to be hard to forget the complete up and down lack of momentum, blown, blown, you know, blown opportunities that they've had throughout the year. And so for me, that leaves us going into year six under Mike White, still really, you know, doing some pretty serious evaluation. But anyway, Blake, let's uh, let's wrap it there for basketball. I know Florida had a big junior day last weekend. Uh, I would like to talk to you a little bit about that. Let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back on the other side with Blake's thoughts on a big junior day for Florida.
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, we were talking about it a little bit before the break. Florida obviously had a very big junior day. Uh, it was a big recruiting event that we kind of previewed on our last podcast, you know, a number of five stars in town. And obviously, you know, a lot of Florida fans have been very excited by the addition of new tight ends coach, uh, potential, you know, other titles involved in there, TBD, uh, Tim Brewster. And Blake, uh, he's done a pretty good job on the trail so far, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in a short amount of time, we've seen Brewster come in and land two tight ends. We've already talked about four-star uh, Gage Wilcox, who Florida landed at the end of February there. But uh, this past uh, Junior Day weekend, they had three-star tight end Nick Elksness. Uh, he pulled the trigger and committed. He had uh, decommitted from Penn State the week before, and it, it really seemed like he was trending towards the Gators, the fact that Florida is close to home. Uh, his family's close. He's, you know, his grandma and grandpa are big-time Gator fans who have had season tickets. They actually came up on the visit with him. And he, one thing that Nick mentioned that was, you know, kind of surreal for him was, you know, walking through the swamp and his grandma pointing, you know, where their seats are, and you know them knowing that he's going to be running out of that tunnel. So. Uh, you know, I, I really like what I saw from Nick at the Under Armour camp in Orlando. He's he's definitely a true six six guy. He's he's got a a really tall frame, and I think that he's going to continue to add some weight there. I don't know that that's you know something that they see him you know really blowing up to this jumbo type tight end. I don't know that really has that frame, um, but I think he's going to be one of those big you know kind of muscular tight ends that can make those catches and has you know the length uh, to kind of pluck those out and you know kind of work against a linebacker and you know work the middle of the field there. So I think he's going to fit in pretty well for Florida. And I also think it's really, you know, here we are. Tim Brewster's only been here at Florida for a little while, and he's already landed two commitments for Florida. We expected him to come in and kind of be that ace recruiter for Florida. And now you've got a guy who's finished his position over. Um, now he can kind of help with those area recruiter guys, you know, his in his area of Broward County and Palm Beach County down there in South Florida. Uh, you know, he can kind of assist with Brian Johnson down in Dade County and those kids in Miami or, you know, really put him on any kind of top-tier guy that you want him to recruit for you. So I think you're in a pretty good position now for Florida to kind of stick Tim Brewster and let him do his thing and, you know, help him recruit a little bit more on a national level. Um, Florida's going to have Zach Evans there on the 20th for an official visit there. So, you know, five-star running back five star running back from the 2020 class. So, I mean, I'm looking a little ahead there, but it's just good to the fact that you can have him out there to, you know, help for those kind of recruits. And, you know, you don't really have to worry about him. You know, oh, man, I got to, you know, get two tight ends there. I mean, he's done. So I, I think looking back at the junior day, it was one of the best junior days that I think I've covered since I've you know been on the Florida Gators beat, and I say that to where it wasn't a really good expected visitor list. It you know wasn't you know ridden with five star guys that just didn't show up. I mean, for the most part, just about every guy that was on that list. I mean, there were a couple handful here and there that didn't make it, but Florida got all their top tier guys. 
on campus that weekend. They had four or five stars on campus. So, I mean, it was one of the better junior days that I think I've seen in some time. Blake, uh, you know, for the the casual listeners out there, I know we've talked about it a number of times on this podcast, um, but there's one school in South Florida that everybody has kind of circled, Miami Palmetto. They've got a number of uh, five-star prospects there. Another guy that I believe, two five-stars, I believe, and then another guy that sits top 60 in the country. Um, One of them at least was on campus. How how did you get, uh, how how did you see his visit going uh, from when you talked to him? You know, Florida actually had all of those Palmetto guys on campus. They had their commitment, uh, all-purpose back, Brashard Smith. He was playing in a seven-on-seven tournament that was in Houston, but he was planning on going to that uh, junior day. So since he wasn't able to make it there on Saturday, the seven-on-seven coach brought him in and let those guys come in and visit on Friday. So he was able to get on campus there. Uh, Leonard Taylor, one of those five-star guys you mentioned there, he's number four overall player on the 24-7 sports uh, top 247 rankings. So he's, if not one of Florida's top guys overall, regardless of position, uh, you know, he's a defensive tackle, five-star guy. And Florida has really done a good job adding those really elite defensive tackles into their class, those defensive linemen. And I think that Taylor is one of those guys that can move and play some tackle. You can put him on the end and play some, uh, you know, five technique on the strong side and let him rush there. So I think he's really elusive. And, and there are flashes of his game. I know that on 24-7 sports, his scouting report is linked to Quinn and Williams. But I see a lot of Domin- Dominique Easley in his game to where he's got a really quick get-off. Mm-hmm. He's not a big defensive lineman. When you look at him, he's still kind of lean there, but he's really fast whenever he has that takeoff. So I think he's one of those finesse defensive linemen that can really get back there and kind of flush things out. So I'm a big fan. I think for the most part, he is not in a hurry. When I talked to him after the junior day, he was talking at the, you know, I asked him, you know, what's the earliest you think you could make a decision right now? And he said that he thought that, you know, round playoff time, late fall season there was what he would think about at the earliest. But I do think if he did commit today, I, I have zero doubts in my mind. I think it would be the Florida Gators. I really think they've done a great job there. He just harps on and on about how good his relationship is with David Turner, uh, Coach David Cooper, who helps out with the defensive linemen and the recruiting offices for Florida. I mean, they're just prioritizing him. They've been prioritizing those guys, like you said, at Miami Palmetto. So they're doing a really good job there. I, I'm sure I think it would be great if Florida could get him on board earlier. But I think at this point, He's going to, I mean, he's a five star player. He's going to have these big time schools that are going to continue to recruit him. But I think Florida just has to keep it consistent. And I think that if they can, you know, put together a solid season, I don't know they have to come out and, you know, really beat the world or anything like that, even though I do think Florida would have a good season. Um, I, I think they just have to really just handle business and on the defensive front, you know, continue to keep things up. I mean, when you lead the SEC in sacks last year, that was something that really stuck out to him. Uh, another five star guy on that uh, Palmetto roster that was there, uh, Jason Marshall. He's a five-star cornerback, and actually, I was able to talk to him. He's another guy that's really not in any kind of hurry for a decision. He's talking, you know, December early signing period time there. Um, he'll be on a couple visits coming up. I know he's going to be at Georgia, Clemson, LSU, or a couple schools mentioned, but Florida is definitely in the mix. I've talked to even some sources that feel that Florida would be the pick they think if he did decide today. I know 24-7 sports recruiting analyst uh, Andrew Ivins, um, Crystal balled him actually following his performance at the uh, Under Armour Miami camp uh, this past weekend. You know, He talked to him, and he thinks that Florida is also the team to beat as well, too. So, I mean, it kind of backs things up. I mean, I think there's something to look at there. But when you look at a guy who's really in no kind of hurry there, and he's he does speak highly of other schools, and he's not, you know, really singling Florida out when he does talk. I mean, he does admit that there are other schools, and he's going to take other visits. So, I think it's worth following. Definitely, Florida's definitely in the mix there. They definitely have him high on their board. Um, but I think that this past weekend's, or excuse me, uh, at the junior day that he was just at, um, I think that it went really well for Florida. 
And I think that they just need to keep getting him back on campus and doing what they're doing. And I, I think things are going to go well there. Um, another four-star guy there from Miami Palmetto, Corey Collier. Uh, he's more of a safety type. And it's good that Florida got him on campus because it was one of his best visits he said that he had to date. And this is kind of a quick turnaround there because when he was at the Under Armour Orlando camp two weekends ago, he actually noted Clemson was his leader. And then he took that visit to Florida and he's saying, you know, Clemson and Florida are my two top schools. You know, nobody leads there. So I think Florida really kind of closed the gap there and they're they're definitely in the mix there. The question now going forward is with those guys, Savion Collins is another four-star type who's committed to Miami. Um, he's a four-star defensive tackle. He was also on campus too. And He's pretty upfront in the fact that his mother prefers him at Miami. Um, I think he prefers Florida, and you know, in his quotes, and I have a story up on Swamp Twenty Four Seven where I spoke with him. I mean, he definitely speaks highly of Florida. So I think if he can get mom on board, I think that this is another guy that could flip. And you're possibly looking at the point now where Florida could land, you know, four or five guys from Miami Palmetto. So I think you have to like where Florida stands. Obviously, a lot of these guys aren't making quick decisions, but I mean, if there was a school that this cycle that recruiting fans or Florida fans or Florida coaches were looking to have a home run at, it was Miami Palmetto, and I think they sit really well there. Yeah, it sounds like the junior day, certainly. You know, anytime you get those guys on campus and you really start to, uh, you know, get some of them even bringing their family with them, I think that's a big deal. And, you know, you just kind of feel the energy building at Florida right now, and I think recruits are starting to sense that. Uh, Blake, let me shift gears real quick. Uh, let me get you one more question here before we kind of wrap up this episode of the podcast. You mentioned Zach Evans is planning to visit Florida on the 20th of March. What does Florida have to do or what does Florida want to see on that visit to feel, A, either comfortable landing Zach Evans or um, B, comfortable taking Zach Evans? You know, I think at this point they've done their due diligence enough, and you're you're recruiting a guy that's well past signing day. Obviously, I know he can't sign another letter of intent. But at this point, if Florida didn't feel comfortable in recruiting him, I don't think they would be at this point. So I think it, it, when you're in this late in the game and you can get a talent like that, Maybe you kind of gauge some things and see, you know, kind of get a, a maybe a read on him in person on that visit. But for you know all all purposes, it seems like that Florida's full go and they're you know all in at this point. And I mean, they could have easily taken the fact that they didn't weren't able to land a high school running back, but here they are still recruiting him. But I think what he wants to see, I mean, I can't recall him ever visiting Florida. I don't know if he popped up maybe as you know a freshman or you know kind of when it was early on in his career. But as far as I know, this is his first visit to Florida. So I think a lot of things kind of ride on this visit. I know from talking with some people, it just kind of seemed that maybe at the point where he needs to show up on campus, and I think at least the, the overall feel was that he was going to be sold on Florida with what he saw, uh, the fact that they have an, a depth chart that's appealing. I know some people feel that this is coming down to Florida or Tennessee. So I think a lot of things do ride on this visit. You know, He's obviously going to have to see if this is a place he can fit in, but – I think his relationship with Tim Brewster is going to be key there, um, getting him on campus and kind of being in his ear um, and kind of showing him, you know, I'm still the same guy that had this great connection with you when you were a sophomore, but I'm just here at Florida now. And in the same sense, too, it's not it's not like Florida's selling a guy who's not his position coach on being the one who recruits him. Greg Knox, a running back coach, is also in contact with him quite a bit. Brian Johnson, who has a lot of ties to Houston, is in touch with him quite a bit. And even some guys in the recruiting office speak with him quite a bit, too. So it's it's kind of a, you know, a team effort in Florida's recruitment here. So I think he's definitely feeling as a priority for them at this point where they need the running back and you can get a talent like that. And I also think, too, Florida feels that, you know, there are, there are some red flags there that things that happen there, but they, uh, there's a feeling that if you can get him out of his environment, you can put him somewhere new and you can kind of, you know, be that person who watches out for him and develops him and you know 
one thing that I have heard that Zach really likes how Florida has approached things is that they're they're not all in his grill. They're not pressing him hard, not in the sense that they're not recruiting him hard, but they're just not poking and prodding him because this is a kid for the most part who seems like he's been pulled a lot of different ways and he's looked at different schools. So I think Florida kind of showing more so that they're there for him and that they're, you know, really have his best entrance in mind. They have a place where he can be developed, where they think that he would be a good fit. So I think a lot of things, there is heavy interest going on there, but I think the last thing that he needs to see is how things go on campus because I think a lot of times it's going to kind of have to come down to a gut feeling because you don't really know what to expect. So he's going to have to see if that's a fit for him. And But I think so far you have to really like where Florida's at for a guy who's not even taken a visit yet. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, obviously Florida fans are hoping that visit takes place. You know, like you said, Michigan uh, kind of putting the kibosh on their visitors this spring. And, um, you know, Florida is obviously going through some of its own preparations to make sure this coronavirus doesn't impact anything else. Uh, so we'll have to see. There's a long way to go till then, nine more days uh, until that visit takes place. So who knows? Anything can happen. Uh, but, guys, one thing we can tell you, we'll be back next week with another episode. We'll be shooting on Wednesday afternoon and hope to get it up uploaded for you Wednesday evening. Uh, we'll most likely be recapping the SEC tournament, give you any further updates if there are any more changes to the NCAA tournament, any changes to Zach Evans' visit plans, any changes to, you know, whether or not Florida's campus is even open by then. So uh, we'll be back next week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.